1: Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This
3: is a CBC
1: podcast.
0: In the name of Jesus.
3: So guys, listen up. Mm. Okay. Fucking, fucking feel good Friday. We here. We all up in this. We here. We go. We sc- we we scrolling through the yeah. internet. We trying to find them links to bring a smile yeah. to y'all faces. But listen, before yeah.
4: we chair, chair, yeah, yes, well, drop the affectation. The
3: affectation, yo. I, I always talk like this, dog. Always. All right. Talking to my peeps. Talking to all my Friday, my feel good Friday peeps. Uh, listen up, y'all. I'm balling out now. Surb money came in yesterday. Guess what Ooh. daddy bought? Guess what, what daddy bought? $2,000 $2, hit my bank account, immediately went to Amazon and bought myself a washlet, a Toto washlet, 3000 for $2,000. No, you it's didn't. Oh, baby. Bidet. No, you didn't. Another bidet? It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's the bidet. Oh, okay. This bidet is going to talk to me this bidet is gonna. This bidet is gonna sing to my butthole. Wait, it's gonna, wait. Have it's, you ever? Have you guys? You, have you
4: guys seen the movie Her? Are you serious? Because it's basically like that, dude. But but it's a bidet.
3: Do I look serious, Brian? No, <laughs> that's why I'm asking. No, wait, wait, no, no, no. Hold on. Did you? Are you even fucking looking at my screen? Do I look serious, Brian?
4: Mm. Yeah, when you raise your eyebrows, oh, yo, like, okay, it's okay. a
3: smidgen more than you did. Hold on. Do I look serious, Brian?
4: Yeah, the way you're the, the way you're letting your cheeks relax looks very serious. So I bought a
3: washlet Toto uh, three thousand for two thousand dollars, and it is going to arrive. What's today? Thursday. It is Thursday. It's going to arrive tomorrow. And here's the thing: Amazon Prime. If you're not familiar, so okay, I'm, I'm gonna be all right. I'll drop the affectation. I'm actually not balling <laughs> out. Um, I did get my serve money, which which fuck was a, a nice relief. And I didn't spend it. <laughs>
0: uh, I,
3: I, did, I I already have a. I already have a. I have the poor
4: man's washlet. Total I, washlet. I was
0: kind of wondering, like, where would you put that new bidet? Like on top of the other one, or you just throw your tushy away?
4: No, you throw no. out the tushy. Is just a little thing. You just you throw out the whole toilet because yeah. the, the, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. the the washlet is a fucking toilet. Oh, I would. Geez. It's a whole toilet. <clears throat>
3: um. Well, Taylor, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop you there. I actually just listened to. Okay, this is why I brought this up. If anybody is listening to this right now, which there, they, they are. are, all right, <laughs> and you don't yet have a bidet, you are one of you are you fall into one of two camps, all right. You're on you're on one camp, which is the per- the person who thinks that um, that bidets are kind of gross, like the idea of shooting water at your butt is like gross. For for whatever reason, okay. So that's
4: that, Like, Do you think showering is gross too? So so
3: that's Camp A. Okay, we'll 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 set that aside, and then you got Camp B, which just like doesn't just doesn't get it. So if you're if you're from Camp A, um, you're a moron, and then if you're from Camp B, you're just ignorant. <laughs>
0: what if, yeah, what if you, you what if you can't be, afford you just a bidet? Need to be
3: educated.
2: Yeah, what if you've been uh, traumatized by a bidet, as I have How about,
3: been? Le, le, let me ask, all right, well, then work harder. Yeah, <laughs> uh, talk, t- talk to your therapist about that. I will. Um, uh, Brian, about affording a bidet, uh, you're right. There's probably people out there who can't afford a bidet, but I'm not talking to those people, Brian. I'm talking to the people who, who within a year, will spend at least $70 on toilet paper within a, the span of a year, okay? How much if is you, a bidet?
0: Seventy dollars. Okay, but like, if you, yeah, but if you, you s- need to have that seventy dollars at in, in a lump sum, right?
3: Did you just refer to seventy dollars as a Brian, lump sum? Brian, listen to me. If if anyone got Serb, they should take seventy dollars out of that Serb money and just buy a fucking bidet. Because here's the thing: if you're not cleaning your butthole with water, you're an animal. Y- I, you're just mashing. You're just pushing around. You're
2: just, you're just. Can you put like hand sanitizer in the bidet or like some kind of alcohol? No,
3: no, based? no, no. Because, you silly, but, you silly intern. You it <laughs> hooks into your water source. I'm just so asking it's,
2: it's, because we know that COVID spreads through fecal matter.
4: Yeah, right. But yeah, right. But, so would you rather wash the fecal matter off or push it around and smear it around your butt yeah, Who's the animal now? with with toilet paper that you can't even fucking buy
3: thank you taylor so here's the thing here's the thing i let's get serious for one quick second uh i'm a really big fan of and i know brian and taylor i know you guys aren't lauren i don't know where you sit with this but i'm a really big fan of um stuff you should know it's a it's it's one of the most popular podcasts of all time it's it's like an og podcast it's been around for fucking years And it's uh, these two guys, Josh and um, um, the other. You really love this. (laughs) The other guy. Other Josh. Josh, too. The the other guy. Uh, uh, But they, they just did an episode
4: on bidets. And I, That's what people about who love our show—that's what they say. They're yeah. Like, yeah. There's Brian and um, the other two. It's my favorite. It's my favorite show. Yeah. There's two other guys on it. Uh, I can't really remember
3: what uh, names are. Well, they're definitely not going to say Brian's their favorite, but <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyway. Yeah, no, I was was throwing him a bone. I was throwing him a bone. Well, I was them to a be bone. fair, Jen Feltonstein <laughs> definitely wouldn't say it. <laughs> <laughs> Jen, you're getting called out three times on the show. She, she okay. is that that woman is out to get me.
3: Uh, so so I'm listening to stuff you should know. And they're, uh, they're talking about bidets. And it was a really fantastic, like, like eye-opening episode. And I've been, I've been a big supporter of bidets for, for uh, a couple of years now. Like, I've been using my tushy. I really love it. I've been trying to, like, get people on board. But for some reason, people, people have this, like, weird aversion to it. Um, and then, but then every time I get someone on board... It's like they go, they're, they're like, what the fuck? I was sleeping on this. This is crazy. It's yeah. crazy.
4: Never go back. You'll
3: never go back. And to, to, to that point, Brian, of like, well, not everyone can afford a bidet. Look, $70, I'm, yes, there's people out there that can't afford a bidet. But the majority of the people that listen to this podcast, to take $70 and order a Tushy and have that sent to your house is not a big deal and honestly dude, and we're not
4: even sponsored by these motherfuckers
3: we are we should know, be which honestly
0: which if we're not by the end of 2020 oh my guys God. we fucking up
3: yo actually for real i had i had a friend who works at good robot send me a dm on on instagram and said hey dude um can you send me your your tushy promo code because I'm, I'm about to buy one and i want to make sure that i support sick boy and i go we're not, we're we're not, not, even, we're not <laughs> even sponsored, and he goes, oh, fuck, you talk about it so much. I thought you were sponsored by buddy.
4: <laughs> you, talk about it, you talk about it every episode uh, at the top of the show for 30 seconds.
3: Oh, that's
2: what I'll do <laughs> after this. I'll send them an email or something.
4: Anyway,
3: uh, I also wanted to bring that up to queue up this little Instagram uh, video. So if you guys will uh, kindly, uh, Taylor, if you haven't already queued it up. Just scroll up. I haven't opened it. Scroll up and... The first one, right? uh, Scroll up and open the Medical Talks uh, Instagram post. Yeah. So, Medical Talks, for those of you who aren't familiar, is uh, just a horrendous, horrendous Instagram channel. Um, Oh, cholera. It is is very similar to uh, Mrs. and Jemmy, if you're familiar with Mrs. and Jemmy's work. It is...
0: Fucking scarring stuff. So it's all like really oh, crazy medical medical things. You know what you know what I don't understand? Like on Mrs. and Jemmy, like from time to time you get that uh like they blurred out um, oh. um post that you don't have to watch it. Yet, verify Fuck, don't watch it
3: yet. To click on, on and verify I'm just your down, age. I'm-
0: but like it's so weird how it seems like there's no rhyme or reason to when that comes up. It's like every once in a while it seems like it's it's just like checking because like Ninety-nine percent of Mrs. and Jemmy's posts, I All feel like throwing posts. up when I when I see. Oh, it's but so like, hardcore. Only occasionally I feel like we get the like blurred out posts that you have to verify your age. Do you guys feel that way? Uh,
3: yes, but le- uh, yes, I, I-, I do but agree. Let me just say this: you fucking love it too, though, don't you? It's like it's like <sighs> I really love pimple popping videos.
0: They're so gross, <gasps> but I'll I'll, so nasty, I'll sit and watch that shit. All day. I really like I'll, Hall of I'll Meat and watch that shit. Hall of Meat is like my guilty pleasure. Like watching yes. somebody break their ankle or or yeah. rest while skateboarding. It's like it it's cringy and like makes you shudder. But, but it's I love also it. Like, I love it. Oh, you want to watch it?
4: So
3: for anyone who wants to watch this with us, uh, go to Medical Talks on Instagram at Medical Talks, and it was posted about twenty three hours ago. We are we are recording this uh, on thursday so the day before uh thursday of april 16th this is the day before it was released so it was re- it, this came out some this post was posted sometime around april 15th on wednesday so go find it it's called um uh here i'll just read the first little sentence here bet you've never seen a cholera case like this one diarrhea projected at max speed <laughs> okay you guys ready <laughs> yeah oh, uh well, click it in three two one
4: Wait. Oh. Wait, I lost it. Oh no!
0: Oh!
2: I oh, honestly, guys, I,
0: I was like that the other day. <laughs> He's That's like how I was feeling last weekend. Bidet. That
3: guy needs a bidet.
4: <laughs> oh my god!
2: <laughs> whoa,
3: whoa! T- t- a little later part. Um, wow! I think he Pretty is gnarly,
4: a Hey, uh, Kyle and I did something similar like this together in a hotel room (laughs) in Brazil once.
0: God damn it. Wait, was that sexual or was that, uh, you were really sick?
4: Uh, 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 (laughs) a little bit of both.
0: Well, I don't know. It It sounds uh, weird when you put it as (laughs) Kyle and I did this in a hotel room in Brazil. Like,
4: (laughs) yeah, we were very sick. I mean, yeah, yeah, some
3: people are into, into some actually speaking of sexual, did you guys uh, did you guys see this uh, the article about the the fetish uh, website in the UK that um, that is helping hospitals fight coronavirus?
0: I did. Uh, no.
3: So a medical fetish a medical fetish site donates all of their scrubs to help UK hospitals fighting coronavirus. Um, acts of kindness are the new kink. This is, a, uh, this, is a, uh, this is an article written by Wait, uh, hold on. Do, Megan, do we have
4: this article here? Or is it, or is this I'll just read it to you. It. It's all good. This. this is
3: an article from Megan Ray, uh, Global News. A medical fetish company donated its entire stock of scrubs to a UK hospital desperate for supplies during the novel coronavirus outbreak. MedFet UK is the name of the website. Uh, they MedFet. supply... They supply doctor scrubs, typically used as costumes, to those with a particular affinity for medical role play in the bedroom. But after being contacted by the National Health Services amid nationwide shortages of basic hospital protective gear, the company
0: decided to give up all of their stock to help out. Hey, Jay, can I ask a question? As a host of a a sex uh, sex podcast as well, what does medical role play look like in the bedroom, Mike? Can you run me through like the idea of what a scenario might look like?
3: Sure, Brian. Well, uh, it, I mean, it really depends on like how far, how far people are taking that. Like, I know.
4: And, and do you want it like realistic, or do you want it I, more like f- I, fan, I think it gets uh, I think it, I think it
3: gets pretty realistic. I mean, I I there is a, a kink club here in Halifax called the Society of Bastet, where people can go and like. Uh, you can't have sex there. It's not a sex club. Um, but people can go and, um, like, explore or practice their different kinks and, like, learn about different kinks. So it's like if you're into – say you're into rope play or you're you're curious about knots and stuff, you can go there and they'll run, like, a workshop on, on rope fetish stuff.
0: Like everybody's just edging there. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. It's not – it's not – It turns out the guy who invented it is just this guy who- – you I'm just not to no be edging all the time. I'm not, yeah. I'm not, I'm not get, This is not this and is a And way mirror. That's his kink. <laughs> come on
3: now, that's not what it's about. But it is it is it's a safe place for people to go and and learn and explore and play with different kinks and fetishes um in in a in a space where it is it is not uh it's not going to turn into it it's not going to turn into sex for I'm, I'm sure for some people it's like a really great uh space to like Foreplay and then and then go home. But the thing, the 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 cool thing about it is they have different sort of rooms that are set up for different uh, types of play, and one of these rooms is a is a full on a full on fucking doctor's office. So so you like <laughs> like you can go in and they've got like stirrups and they've got like swabs stirrups. and they've got fucking <laughs> medical like they've got it all and so. You know to answer your question brian how far does it go it can, it can go quite far but know? is it
0: like do people get turned on by the experience of just being a patient or is it like like the experience well, it's, of it's being all, a patient and then the doctor fucking you
3: it's all it's all <laughs> encompassing i'm sure that there's that and i'm sure that are they operating they, uh I, maybe maybe that <laughs> maybe that, maybe
4: that
3: you know what there's a, there's a lid for every pot <laughs> i love it know? when you
0: take out my useless organs
3: Yeah. Um, So anyway, (laughs) back to this article here, because I I don't want to get too far into that. Uh, In a series of tweets posted on Friday, the company said, Today we donated our entire stock of disposable scrubs to an NHS hospital. It was just a few sets because we don't carry large stocks, but they were desperate, so we sent them free of charge.
0: Guys, I feel weird now. All I can think about is, what if a huge portion of our demographic is people with medical fetishes, and they just listen to patient stories so that they can get off to them when they hear people talk I'm about sure there's spirits. one or two I you know again I'm not gonna go there uh <laughs> not the podcast We want to hear more uh, of, like stuff 75 percent like of our listenership is just people with medical fetishes uh listen if you
3: are one of those people I am not ever gonna kink shame you do your thing you enjoy our show however you like to enjoy it I'm not kink shaming either yes <laughs> you fucking are Brian yes you fucking are <laughs> now shut up <laughs> Uh, how cra- how crazy is that, though? That a fetish website, like that National Health Services, was so desperate they that they for PPE. Well, they need everything they, for PPE that they like, they were like oh, fuck. Yeah, but the thing I love thinking about is like the the meeting where someone goes. Uh, I, I mean, I got a I got an idea of a, a I know a site that.
4: Se- um, it's a uh, my wife and I. <laughs> it's a it's a. It's a it's a place we go.
3: They've got supplies, is what I'm trying to say. Is <laughs> what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. I wonder. I wonder if they
2: have anything like assless scrubs or stuff like that.
3: <laughs> I mean, I don't think that that would, that
0: would uh, qualify as as, as legit PP. Well, maybe you
2: could patch it. <laughs> you could put a little patch to cover the bum.
0: <clears throat> cover the I, old bum. I wonder what the quality is like, though. Like in general, like does. Like if you're walking through the hospital, can you tell the people who are wearing the medical <laughs> fetish sites gear? Like, just looks a little bit fake. You know, and you're. I mean, wearing, the only like, the, the costume, only thing like <laughs> costume like it's just
4: like slightly lesser quality. The only
3: yeah. thing that makes it different is that it comes with nipple clamps. That's the only that's that's the only <laughs> difference. Uh, isn't that so funny? Yeah, so interesting. Yeah. Speaking of speaking of that, did you guys know that today <laughs> I was on Twitter this morning? and uh thursday apparently thursday or april 16th is national horny day Mm -hmm. did you guys know that national horny day is today it's trending not on twitter
4: hey kai national horny day today did you know that
3: (laughs) no she was on kyla you gonna you going to do something about that or what
0: (laughs) are you gonna celebrate
3: Yeah, how are you guys, guys going to celebrate today? Eh? Because because it's National um, Horny Day every day over here, and uh, I'm all alone. So how do you what, do? You have any tips?
4: Uh, the same way as we celebrate that um, occurrence every time. Um, we uh, we put on baggy clothing and we light a candle and uh, we look into each other's eyes for 25 minutes. Oh my God, that, Jesus, that's so intimate. And then we and then we go to sleep. <laughs> and, then, and then
3: and then I snore. Sick Boy Podcast. We'll be right back after this word from our sponsors.
1: Are you tired of hearing the same old wellness advice? It's time to dig deeper and listen to America Dissected from Crooked Media, the podcast that's cutting into the science, culture, and policy that shapes our health. From doctors fighting for their rights to the surprising truths about sunscreen, America Dissected dives deep into the state of health. Tune in every Tuesday for new episodes of America Dissected, available on all major podcast platforms.
3: Hey, listeners. If you like this show, you should check out Unlocking Bryson's Brain from CBC Podcasts. 13-year-old Bryson is a happy, loving boy, but a mysterious disease means he can't walk, talk, or feed himself. After years without a diagnosis... Genetic scientists believe they know what's causing Bryson's illness, and think it could be reversed. Join Bryson's family on their search for a medical miracle in unlocking Bryson's brain. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of National Horny Day, this was this was from a while ago, like like almost a month ago, not quite. Um, but there was a. <laughs> this is look. This is fucked. It's not okay. But also, it's kind of funny. Uh, uh, Thai king. (laughs) Thai king? Like tiger Tiger king? King? No, no. No, a Thai. Joe Exotic? The king of Thailand. Oh, the the king of Thailand. Thai king self-isolates in Alpine Hotel with harem of 20 women amid pandemic.
2: Hmm.
4: Well, happy national horny day (laughs) to the Thai king.
2: I guess Thailand's limit for gatherings of people is 21. Then, <laughs>
4: oh fuck, it, yeah. dude, right? And, and and one of those 21 women is in fact <clears throat> Joe Exotic.
3: <laughs> Thailand's controversial king has been self-isolating in a luxury hotel in the Alpine resort town of Garmish Partenkirchen. Pa- uh, you know what? That wasn't Swedish. Wow. That wasn't uh, that that wasn't Swedish at all, was it? What? What? what I... Wait, what's an Alpine hotel? Where is this? An the,
4: alpine? I mean, it probably means he's in a he's staying in a mountain range somewhere, maybe in France. It's like, or no, it's like Italy it's like Switzerland
3: or, or some shit. That would be yeah. yeah that that would makes sense. sense.
4: Okay,
3: uh, let me try that again. Uh, uh, Thailand controversial king has been self isolating in a luxury hotel in the alpine resort town of <laughs> <laughs> Yep, Garmisch. Can pretty uh, with his entourage, King Maha Vijra Longhorn. Longhorn, also known as Rama X. Oh, dude, that's a way fucking cooler name. Rama 10 <laughs> is said to have been uh, is said to have booked out the entire Grand Hotel Schnobelkul after the four-star hotel received special permission, in quotes, from the district council to accommodate his party. The 67 year old King's entourage included a harem of 20 concubines and numerous <laughs> servants reported
4: did he did he like did he um, like were they registered <laughs> at the hotel as concubines like how did they <laughs> what, is, what is
3: the what is the definition of con
4: I think a concubine, concubine is it is vine. just like a is like us is like a female servant that that carries your children Oh, it's a, like it's, a, it's, a it's a, it's a polygamous,
3: it's a, in polyga, polygamous, polygamous yeah. societies, a woman, a woman who lives with a man, but has lower status than his wife or wives. This guy sounds like a real piece of work. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> Just like a real slice of cake. This guy, guest
3: houses and hotels in the region were ordered to close due to the coronavirus. But a spokesperson for the local district council said the grand hotel schnook and biker, was an exception because the guests are single are a single homogenous group of people with no fluctuation. However, 119 members of the entourage have been reportedly sent back to Thailand. 119 sent back to Thailand on suspicions they have contracted the highly contagious respiratory disease.
0: Whoa. Uh, so hey, that means imagine. he has he just,
2: like 80 servants. If he's one dude, there's 20 concubines and a hundred people were kicked out of this resort. <laughs> That's like four <laughs> servants to one person.
3: Can you imagine? What a fucking um, what life. Imagine
0: imagine what the queen. Imagine the living. queen of England just just did that. She just left England and was like, I'm going to uh an alpine resort town uh to stay at a hotel with my harem of twenty Actually Sex, i, I, I do not think Male <laughs> slaves. I don't think I don't think uh I don't think men with
4: twenty leather dudes.
3: Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Cause I don't think harem harem isn't men. A harem is only women. Uh Until times... now it's
0: twenty twenty, Jared. No, harem no. It no. could be men. No, no, no. Women. Hold on. What what
3: what it what is Other. the harem equivalent uh the male equivalent of a harem. Uh, a male heterosexual or Yuri Harem series is in Informally referred to as a female harem, or wait, ho- hold on. Hold
2: Yuri on. harem sounds Russian.
3: Yeah, uh, Yao, Yaoi, Yaoi harem series is in, in hairy. It's a hairy harem. <laughs> I Man, I'm not sure if we have any. I'm not sure if we
0: have any listeners who like to illustrate things, but like, I would, I would die to see an illustration of the queen with a Yuri harem of uh, 22 leather daddies holy fuck guys you want to hear something really interesting here if
4: someone can draw that for us and send it to us we'd be very uh, very yeah, bra- uh,
0: gracious
3: I just found this is there a gender specific word for a harem of males uh, this is uh, from Cora and the answer comes from a woman named Erin Camp Meeks who studied anthropology at the University of Alabama the only example of a true male harem I can think of is Empress Wu Zetan who kept multiple male concubines in the fashion of Chinese emperors but it would appear she didn't cloister them in, this, in the same way that female concubines were kept, so they weren't an official harem with official court titles. Because, yeah, apparently apparently um, concubines like actually have a title, which is fucking crazy. Catherine the Great and Elizabeth I, I uh, and Elizabeth I, Elizabeth I, <laughs> each had an impressive collection of lovers that could be called a de facto harem, but they had no legal or social standing. Blah 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 blah. Interesting. Okay, I guess there is no real male equivalent for harem. Do you Guys, think this, Queen this Elizabeth? Fucking-
0: do you think this- Queen Elizabeth had a bunch of a bunch of lovers? Like Elizabeth I had a bunch of lovers. Do you think Queen Elizabeth?
4: Dude, was, uh, uh, what? Like, have you watched The Crown? No. Have you
3: not watched? The- have I. you <laughs> not watched? Did, did you not watch Downton Abbey? Uh, no, I didn't. Me neither. Um, <laughs> cool well
2: <laughs> what other shows well, have one of us well, let's
4: let's let's watch it and then we'll all report back to each other after we've watched the entire series of the crown which
0: is easy to do now because covid-19 because of the virus, can, can
3: I can I just can I bring this back to the to the bidet thing, Lauren? What the fuck is what's your you? What do you mean you had a bad experience with a bidet? Like can a, we can we
2: can we unpack that? Yes, I've already told. I think I've already told you guys. I like okay. Yeah, I was at a friend's house when I was young. I was like ten or eleven, and I went to use their toilet, which had like a bunch of fucking buttons on it that I didn't understand.
3: Oh, a Washlet Toto Washlet three thousand for sure. <laughs>
2: Sure, if that's mm-hmm. what was the thing was in like 2005 high, or whatever. was end. was
3: this a friend? Was was your friend? Was this in Japan
0: or was this a? No. Was this like this, stateside?
2: This was in Plano, Texas, where I grew up. This were was they rich?
0: rich? They must have been. They must have been swimming in money.
2: I think yeah. They're 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 well off. <laughs> don't
0: perpetuate that only rich people can have a Daisy. I'm just possible. saying, if it had a bunch of buttons and it was 2005. They were <laughs> swimming in money. They, yeah, yeah, you're probably, they, right.
2: yeah, you're right, you're right, for sure. But I like went. I just, I went, and I like pressed one of the buttons. I was like, I don't fucking know what to do with this. And then like, oh, jet of water just like shot up my cooch.
4: Well, that's because there's two options. Yeah. There's, there's, I didn't when you know sit down that. at a at, at a at a proper when you sit down at a proper bidet, you'll notice that there is. A, there is two buttons for water. One is just a water jet symbol, and the other one is a water jet symbol with a little, a little uh, uh, someone with a dress. Uh, it's for there, your hoo ha. Uh, it's so there's the there, for, there's and, the
3: bum bum, and then the front bum, and you can choose which bum you want to wash out. It, is okay, that true?
2: Well, yeah,
4: that's right. So that there's a
2: vajay bidet and then yeah. <laughs> regular. <laughs> there
3: type. is
4: a vajab. There's yeah, a vajay bidet and there's a well. Bidet no one
2: bidet. explained this to me.
3: Now, Lauren, if you came over. Next time, next time you come over and you're allowed into my house, um, <laughs> I, I'm going to force you to take a poop on my toilet and, and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll talk to you through the door and explain to you how to properly use the bidet so that,
4: yeah. so that so, will be far less traumatizing than your first experience. I believe it's oh, called yeah.
0: exposure sure. therapy. So what is,
2: so what is this going to look like, Jer? Am I going to, am I going to text you one day and just be like, it's happening. I have to take, I, I gotta, have to <laughs> take a shit. I got to take yeah, a it's shit. got to. That's it. Can I come That's over? exactly it. And
4: then you can immediately, then you can immediately leave and inform your therapist that you've got a new round of material mm-hmm. that you can discuss. You know what I
3: fucking love about uh, this feel good Friday episode is that we spent the majority of it talking about poop and uh, fetishes and um, <laughs> weird, just like um, just an inappropriate sexual. Uh, um, Polygamists.
4: Hey, don't. Hey, don't. Don't shame. Don't shame. Hey, no.
3: I'm no. I'm shaming that king. Uh, That that's That's not okay. That's just not okay. That's fucked. Fuck that guy. Um, uh, But if you're into. But if you're into medical kink, uh, a
0: okay by me. Um, But uh, and and whatever else you're into. And me, I'm I'm cool with it too. Just want to say, if it seemed like earlier, I might not be okay with it. I just want to say and clarify that I I am. Is
2: that why you watch Grey's Anatomy? Is it like your soft core fix?
0: I'm not gonna say that's how, it that's isn't. How, that's
4: how he. That's how he <laughs> sets the mood. Um, so, so we've
3: talked about all of this, and then all of this is just to lead into a very legitimate conversation with an economist (laughs) Uh, listen folks i i want to set this conversation up because uh we're about to take a a big old fucking pivot and uh we're going into a conversation with uh, a gentleman named david uh, mcdonald who is an economist um and he works in ottawa and works for a think tank here in canada um and we we spoke to him about the the economics behind what's happening right now um with everything with with serb um everything to do with you know the the fact that we're we're likely heading into some sort of recession if not if not depression let's hope not um and he clarifies a lot of the stuff it, you know that kind of stuff is just so outside of the realm for my it's it's so not my thing and he does a really great job of like um uh explaining it in a very like layman's term way uh it's it's a fascinating conversation and it it, i i highly suggest um uh sitting through it even though it 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 might it just might bore the actual fuck out of you if you're if if numbers aren't your thing but but you know what numbers aren't my thing and that shit bores the fuck out of me and this uh this was actually made
4: it he made it very acceptable. it was really
3: interesting to hear especially because we're in such a fucked up weird time it was really interesting to hear his thoughts on his projections on like what this is gonna mean for our country going forward um, and uh, yeah I just I feel really grateful to have had the, the platform to be able to sit down and chat with him
0: uh, hey you guys I just want to say you know what um, you guys make accessible to me what's that life I just want to say oh it's really nice hanging out with you guys. I love Aww, you, Brian. We love you Brian. too, sweet
3: Brian. That was the, that was the sweetest thing you've said today. Now, why don't you come home?
0: Yeah. Why don't you
3: just? Yeah. yeah why don't you finally
0: <laughs> just uh, come so that, home, buddy? So that I can uh, so that I can talk to you via a screen from closer. Yeah, with better internet. Yeah. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that because that internet in your van sucks. It does, yeah. Hey, I wonder if I uh, I know you just threw to this other episode, but uh, this other conversation. But I wonder if I can get one of those sticks that like plugs into my computer and gives me internet. You know, that's a little bit faster. Maybe you, I can.
4: Yeah, you actually. What was that little salute that you just gave? Brad? I actually
0: probably could. I made the gesture of sticking the USB internet thing in, with and then there? elevating it up. You know, extending mm. the uh, I,
3: network.
0: I, yep, I'm gonna have to cut this out.
4: Uh,
3: <laughs> okay, uh, that haircut's
4: getting to, that haircut's.
3: I don't even do know that. what
0: you're talking about. God, I'm just guys. extending the Wi-Fi.
3: Jesus Christ! Um, so, so here's this conversation with Dave McDonald, uh, and uh, if you if you have any questions about it. Um, send them, our, send it our way. And then maybe we'll flood David with, uh, with questions through via email. And I don't, I don't, I don't know if he'll respond or not, but, uh, <laughs> he said, he said he'd answer them all. Especially, especially if he listens to the first half of this conversation. Uh, we hope you enjoy it and listen, uh, coming up Monday, we have a very interesting and very, uh, again, a very different conversation, uh, on the podcast. Uh, We sit down with Doctor Ingrid Waldron, uh, who was.
2: It's Keith. Is that?
3: Oh, oh, Keith. (laughs) Psych. Just kidding. We got a sick conversation (laughs) coming up with uh, our friend Keith, who uh, Keith is the host of a new CBC podcast, uh, which actually you heard the ad for that podcast um, in this show here. Uh, Keith is a he's a wonderful guy. He's got a. Uh, a very fascinating story with a son who's living with a, a um, intellectual disability, and uh, we, are, we had a really, really wonderful conversation. So uh, tune in on Monday for that, and, uh, and let's take a second here just to give a shout out to all of our patrons for hanging out with us. We've, we've been continuing these, these patron weekly hangouts, these video hangouts, and they're f- so fucking fun. Um, we've had a ton of new patrons who've jumped on board in the last, uh, few weeks. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you to all of you because, um, you know, this is for artists like ourselves, this is a really tough time and, uh, your support means the, the fucking world to us. And for us to be able to have a chance to sit down and, and shoot the shit with you on, on Wednesday nights, um, is is really just like such a pleasure. So thank you all so much. for that. Yeah,
0: time. last last night was uh, was awesome. We dressed up. Um, we dressed like we were going on the vacation that we can't go on right now, but we wish we were on. Um, I I wore a toga and put some olive branches around my head because you know I just really want to go to Greece. So I wore nothing.
3: I was just t- completely naked because uh, <clears throat> I I had tickets booked to this nudist colony um, that's uh, that exists um, just outside. It's a small beach. On the south side of Wales and um, it's it, typically they only allow people who are you know north of 70 to attend um, but they they considering the fact that I have a life-shortening illness and you know if you do the math mm. technically like I'm I'm basically like 75 in in human years and CF um, years, <laughs> <in> CF <laughs> years. Uh, so they they were gonna allow me but then obviously um, uh, coronavirus hit and uh, mm. they they didn't want me to come there uh, because they're all immunocompromised old people who um and uh, you know and I'm immunocompromised it was just a bad scene. So so I just got naked here and you know dick out it, it was all good um you know
2: so you would have fit right in in the zoom background that Brian used. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah, oh.
4: I just had a bunch of uh, THC oil. Oh,
3: I meant to ask Tay, <laughs> hey, I meant to ask you how high how high did you get? Because you you dropped off some gear yesterday, and I mm-hmm. I gave you my oil, and you mm-hmm. took you took an amount that if I took that amount, I would have been way too high. He was taking more when he was on. on I, know. Uh... <laughs> I, know,
0: yeah,
4: I know, I know, I know. Did
3: did you did anything
4: happen? I think I took uh, maybe about like one like eighteen milligrams or something, like between eighteen and twenty milligrams. Wow. Okay, and and um. Yeah, it was pretty mellow. Until my sleep was very until midnight. Weird. <laughs> my sleep was very weird. I didn't go to sleep till two. Yeah. Um, I stayed up, but it was like it was it was very very manageable. I always find edibles to be just incredibly fucking weird, eh? Man- manageable, like it's all in my bot. It's all it's all in my body. Whereas, like when I, when I if I smoke, it's like it I I feel very um. Like, I feel much more like antisocial and like that sort of thing yeah and, but when I but when I have like oil or edibles or something like that or butter it's um, it's just like a really nice it's just like really nice
3: uh, cool well this uh, zoom chat's about to cancel out because we don't have a subscription <laughs> so uh, enjoy our conversation with David McDonald and uh, we love each and every one of you and uh, we will see you' see you all on the other side. Hello, David. Uh, we are sitting here with our, our new friend, David McDonald, the a senior economist at the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives. Uh, what is that?
1: Well, it's a think tank here in Ottawa, so uh, I generally cover federal government issues, uh, you know, federal government policy and that sort of thing. Uh, we have uh, folks at the national office that cover other things, and then we've got some provincial offices that cover provincial and municipal issues sort of commenting on those from a progressive perspective
3: so so focusing on like research from a like a social economic uh, level like that you guys are, are focusing your research there um, what what does that look like like what what is what is what is the climate of Canada looking like right now from from your perspective I mean obviously we're in like a, one of the weirdest, positions we've ever been in 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 any of our lifetimes um from an from an economic standpoint you know what 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 is this looking like right now
1: yeah i mean what we what we have seen. i mean we just got some gdp data out today which is uh you know economic growth data which but not growth anymore it's economic collapse nine percent fall in gdp in just march uh most of this was put into place um you know the, the lockdowns the economic lockdowns were put into place after march 15th so march 15th is kind of a break point before that it was we knew that there was uh you know this the the COVID infection was happening in china but it had yet to really impact us in any real way and then after march 15th which is the week of march break here in ontario um we just saw huge uh lockdowns you know province by province rolling out across the country uh, until we find ourselves today with basically everything um that's non-essential being closed down mm-hmm. Um, the big impact of that that we saw first off was mass layoffs uh, of a kind that we've just never seen before, um, t- particularly on this scale, uh, and mass government response in an attempt to try to give people enough to buy groceries and pay rent. Mm-hmm. I mean, at this point, we've got uh, six million Canadians, which is one in four working age Canadians uh, is now receiving the, the emergency benefit through either employment insurance or through uh, the, the Canada Revenue Agency. One in four. I mean, that's six incredible, million? Right? Yeah, there are six million applications now that have gone wow. through the serve. Now, some of those might be duplicates and so on, but it just gives you some idea of scale that one in four Canadians are now receiving direct government assistance in the value of uh, $500 a week or $2,000 a month. Hey, David, obviously this
0: amounts to a lot of money. Um I'm really curious about we, we've been hearing our prime minister kind of go on TV on a daily basis and talk about. The financial subsidies that are are going out to support and help Canadians who are struggling right now, um, where does all of that money come from?
1: Well, it largely comes from uh, bondholders. It's going to end up on the deficit, and so what that means is uh, the government does this on a regular basis. They sell bonds to to people with money that buy the bonds, and then they pay them an interest rate. Uh, the interest rate is a record low at this point. I mean, basically, you can borrow ten year. You can you know get ten year bonds for i don't know half a percent a year like it's just it's outrageously low uh and bondholders are desperate for more bonds they're selling off their stocks because the stock market is tanked and they want to buy bonds and so we're we're taking their money and we're putting it to good use uh and then uh hopefully the entire economy doesn't collapse as a result of this and uh, we see a rebound later on in the year that uh you know will help to pay for some of this
4: what does it mean what does it mean for what does it mean for people buying bonds right now who are who are buying bonds at at this This enormously low interest rate where the return on the return on that on the debt that they're lending um, is um, Or the debt that they're buying I guess is uh, Is next to is next to nothing? I mean is that I mean? I guess it's reflective of the fear of the overall market that they're n- you're not going to be getting any re- You're not going to be getting any returns in in the market so flee to these flee to these crazy low interest bonds, which are, are going are to return next to nothing over a 10 year, 20, 30 year period, whatever the bond, the, the time period is.
1: Yeah. And so once you include inflation, right, I mean, you don't have to pay this money right. back till 10 years from now. And so inflation, is, say 2% or something like that. Now, all of a sudden, you're getting negative real bond rates in Canada. In other places like Germany, they're, they're actually just straight up offering offering to take your money. Like you, you yeah, give right. them a thousand dollars, and they're going to give you nine hundred dollars back ten years from now.
4: Right? Yeah, Country, countries with negative interest rates. I mean, it's fascinating. Yeah.
1: And so, at this point, uh, people with money don't really care about returns. What they care about is not losing twenty or thirty percent of that money, and they're pretty, pretty certain that the government of Canada will pay them their money back, even if they don't pay them very much interest or no interest at all. Right.
4: So, so when, so kind of piggybacking on Brian's question, there, you know, the, all this stuff happens. I mean, it, it, it is quite it is quite amazing to to witness, especially around the middle of March when all this stuff started to, you know, every it seemed like every hour we knew something new and different about whether it was about uh, the disease and how it's evolving and how people are getting it. Or whether it's about the borders being closed or the uh, the support, the financial support that's coming from the government on the financial side of things, all this stuff starts going down. I mean, what, is this like a totally unprecedented scramble from the federal government to come together and try to put something together? Like, have, we seen, have we seen anything like this in history?
1: <laughs> well, not in peacetime. I mean, we probably saw something like this in wartime and during the Second World War. Uh, you know, the idea that you could take the unemployment insurance system and completely rewrite it from scratch and have it up and running in a week and a half, which is what happened. Uh, is just, I mean, it's totally unprecedented. In essence, since there are so many people receiving CERB, uh, this is the emergency benefit, uh, it's, it, CERB has in essence become an emergency, you know, guaranteed income of a sort that, that Canadians are gonna make at least $2,000 with some exceptions, but given the take up, uh, you know, we've, we've created a floor on earnings for everybody in the, in the, in the labor market. Mm. Uh, At the same time as we were doing that, I mean, the federal government was rapidly iterating on help for businesses. Uh, They finally settled on the 75% wage subsidy. So any business that saw a big decline in their revenues due to COVID-19, the government would just take up 75% of their payroll and pay it on their behalf for, you know, for the next couple of months at least. Uh, And so this is just totally unprecedented that you would create policy like this and you know, which is basically a couple weeks. Uh, usually you would do this over the course of years. Mm-hmm. And in this case, he did it over the course of weeks. And because the, the idea here is that uh, I'm, I'm all for policy that's good policy. Uh, but the problem here wasn't good policy, it was speed. Because people need right. to pay their rent at the mm-hmm. end of the month. They just lost their job. There's no prospect <coughs> that people are going to get jobs in this type of economy. Uh, and you got to make sure they can pay the rent and, and uh, put food on the table. Otherwise, it's not just a health disaster, an economic disaster. It can easily become a humanitarian disaster mm. where people aren't allowed mm. to work. They don't have, otherwise have money because they can't access the old EI rules. Uh, so they we can't buy food. Is, and are, is there and some are,
3: sort of like ramification of rolling something out this quickly? You right, know, yeah. like like what what does it look like? Um, what what does it look like for our economy? you know, a, a year, two years, five years down the road, uh, from now because of the, the rapid rate at which we, we, you know, brought
1: CERB into, into play. Well, I mean, the, the, the danger here isn't that, uh, you know, you roll the program out too quickly and it's not perfect. The danger is you didn't roll a program out and we, and we enter another depression. I mean, that's, yeah. That's the risk here, right? When you, you know, in the last labor force survey that came out last week, a million people lost their jobs. Another 2 million people lost the majority of their hours. Uh, That's 3 million Canadians who lost work in, you know, in a week and a half or two weeks. Um, that's, That's depression level. Loss hmm. of loss can you of can you
3: can you take a second and just like because um, this is not my realm my world whatsoever um, I, I'm a I'm an idiot uh, full, full on um, <laughs> I what is what is, can you define like what a recession is versus what a depression is like what what are what
1: what does that even mean technically a recession is two quarters or six months where where the GDP declines or that the gross domestic product the size of the economy shrinks. Uh, a depression is not as clear. I mean, the recession has a clear technical definition, but the recession is not, or sorry, a, a full on depression is not nearly as clear. Um, but, uh, you know, what you, what you might say is something like really, really huge declines in GDP, maybe in the neighborhood of, you know, 20, 30%. I mean, huge. And so, I mean, without this type of support, with all, you know, if we had 3 million workers, um, largely low income workers, uh, more likely women, that just had no income support because the government didn't act. Uh, that ripples through the economy really quickly, and, um, and that's where you get you know 20, 30 percent declines in GDP instead of the 10 percent which we appear to have suffered in March. I mean that data just came out today.
4: Is our is our definition or what we think of a depression in really is our is our only. Um uh analogous point in time the 19 the 1930s like is that the only thing we have to point we have we have to look to to define that versus you know recession which you see what is it on average every 10 years there's some sort of recession that that occurs in the economy big or small
1: yeah i mean i think that in the canadian situation if you were to take a look at say the unemployment rate um we didn't see historically high unemployment uh in the march data uh in large part i think because a lot of people didn't think they were unemployed yet they just didn't have any hours Hmm. Uh, And so I think what we're going to see in the April data is that that unemployment rate's going to jump when people realize, hey, wait a second, I have actually been laid off. There's no more hours. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think uh, then we'll see it in terms of the fall in the in the proportion of the population that's employed uh, in March. I mean, it it was at a historic high. You'd have to go back to 1933 to see that kind of monthly change in in the employment rate. And I think we'll see that on the unemployment rate in uh, in the next month. And that's just sort of the impact on, on people of working age that there are just no jobs. I mean, you know, like people have been laid off on mass, there's no because we won't have seen a full reopening. Certainly not, um, you know, before the, the the April survey goes out, which uh, is going to be. Uh, well, it's going out uh, this week, actually, the, mm-hmm. the labor force survey is going out this week. Uh, it's not the economy's not reopened. I mean, I, that's, I don't think there's any imminent prospect that we're going to have complete reopening of the economy.
4: Mm-hmm. Is there any um you know so our 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 show predominantly is concerned with talking to people who um who are sick and and getting their perspective on what it's like to live with whatever that illness is and mm-hmm. um <clears throat> and obviously from from time to time there are there are some really significant crossovers in terms of finances and, and economics and how um those two interplay with each other we had a conversation um about a year or two ago um Uh, with a financial advisor at a at a credit union here in Halifax and talked about you know uh, programs and things that people have access to and and there is some really there is there there there's some some really important crossover um, to those two worlds Um, um, looking thinking about social programs and how how all this is this massive massive these huge social programs that get implemented really really quickly is there a danger from a policy perspective of of Um, of money eventually needing to be, uh, reduced in other social programs in order to, in order to pay for something as massive, uh, and you know, for our listeners that, that I'm thinking of things like, um, like the disability, um, um, I can't remember what the program's called Jared. What's the, what's the disability, um, the disability, um, uh, uh, tax credit. uh, tax credit or something like that Mm -hmm. or uh, not the tax credit but um there's like there's there's programs that people have that people have access to whether on on the rdsp yeah i'm just i'm just thinking i mean it's social programs in general but i'm thinking more in terms of i'm thinking more on the lines of our audience how does something like this could how could something like this on this scale impact other social social programs and how they're funded
1: well, I mean, we aren't there yet, but I think that it's a very valid concern. I think what's going to happen is when this, uh, you know, if we finally get through this, we get a couple of resurgences and hopefully we get a vaccine for this um, that then governments say, uh, you know, all those generous programs that helps poor working folks that got kicked out of their jobs or all this additional funding we spent on long term care when half of the deaths are happening in long term care homes, uh, we can't spend that anymore. So we're going to have to cut that back. And uh, too bad for all those folks that are still unemployed or have parents in long-term care and that sort of thing. Um, we're not there yet. I, I I think you're rightly concerned that uh, that that this will lead to austerity. That um, you know, I think what it does highlight is it highlights the inadequacy, for instance, of federal transfers to the provinces for health care. I mean, they've been nickel and diming the prov- the feds have been nickel and diming the provinces for years now, and the the provinces have been. Increasing their debt load as a result, because they're they're the ones now paying for for health care. Mm. I think it'll become very clear how <laughs> inadequate our long term care system is, um, and it will likely. I mean, at this point, it's receiving just emergency funding just to try to forestall any further spread and deaths there. Mm. Uh, but yeah, you're quite you're quite right. I mean, I think that that at a point you will definitely see particularly provincial governments that'll start to say, hey, you know what, you know, our revenues are down a lot. We're going to start cutting some services. I actually doubt that it will be on the healthcare front. I think healthcare will be a a very sacred cow that we'll see Increases now hmm. for, the, for the foreseeable future. I think it'll be elsewhere that you'll see that all of a sudden there's no money for childcare, there's no money right. for education, or mm. it'll be someplace else. I think healthcare we'll, we will see big, big increases, and those will be sustained. Given this. And do
4: you think that 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 I mean that does become the sacred cow because of the nature of the crisis that we're that we're dealing with?
1: I mean, I hope one of the things that comes out of this is a is a an improved long term care system. Um, that's certainly one of the places where. This has hit the hardest and is, you know, is, was heavily underfunded to begin with. I mean, uh, you know, people and often there's just not enough staff in, in these long term care homes. Mm. Um, and so I think that there will there will certainly be some sort of better plan there. Mm. Um, and it's certainly probably larger federal transfers to the provinces just for health care in general. Yeah. But I think it's other places that are that are going to take the hit for for any increase in health care or they could. I mean, it, you know, this isn't a done deal.
4: Yeah. And I mean, I hear they, you. I'm, I'm looking down the street right now at a place uh, here in Halifax, a long term uh, care facility. And they have they have probably uh, in the neighborhood of uh, like eight percent of all the cases in Nova Scotia are in that building. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and it's a it's a issue
0: in terms of sure, Ryan, uh, in terms of what the government is doing. Um, you mentioned that the danger wasn't this. The speed in which they would act—it's the danger is them not acting quick enough. Um, kind of thinking of like that—that that saying, the famous saying: um, "Act now, think later." Um, it like now looking at what we what we have done. Uh, there's the three pillars that the government keeps mentioning: the emergency response benefit, the wage subsidies, and the small business or business loans. Um, how? How well are those doing to address the economy at large? Um, is there gaps that we're still missing? And, and you know, looking back now on what we have started to implement over the last few weeks, like, is it working effectively?
1: I mean, I actually think these programs are not bad programs, given the time that they were developed in. I mean, if we start with the emergency benefit, um, it is much more generous and much more expansive than employment insurance ever was. Uh, mm-hmm. It's far easier to apply, it's far faster, there's none of the bureaucracy, there's none of the old nonsense. I mean the EI system was run on computers from the 1970s and still is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we just threw all that in the trash and we replaced it with with what I think is, is a much better benefit. Hopefully it will become the foundation for a new EI system right. when this yeah. is all done. Now is everybody covered by the CERB? Well they're not and there are some key areas where um, you know, it's worth pointing that out. The first is that if you became unemployed prior to March 15th, so say you were unemployed on March 12th, you were laid off on March 12th. It wasn't due to COVID-19 it's due to something else. Uh, you don't get, you don't get sir. you know, you can't get it. You can't access it because you're unemployed prior to that. And because the EI system is so restrictive, you may well not gain access to the EI system either. And so just because you're unemployed two weeks before March 15th or whatever, uh, or a month or two months. Um, you could, it's, it's quite likely that you gain access to neither. Um, wow. There's a big group of about 400,000 people that did get, who got unemployed prior to March 15th, did get EI, but they're getting less than what they would have gotten on serP So they're getting say $400 a week on average mm. instead of the $500 a week that you get through CERB. <clears throat> um, in terms of people that were unemployed because of COVID-19, there's about 200,000 of them that won't make the $5,000 income threshold. So you, you needed to have made $5,000 in the previous 12 months or in 2019 in order to qualify for the CERB so if you you know just came back from maternity leave and you just worked for a month and you didn't make enough money well then you don't get any access to this you're unemployed and you don't get access to EI you don't get access to CERB so I mean there's a, I think some obvious places where um, we could expand and frankly the government has been expanding I mean they uh, there were also folks who had an EI claim that ran out uh, during COVID-19, well, prior to COVID-19 that wouldn't have been eligible for more EI because their EI claim ran out, but um, they wouldn't be eligible for CERB because they didn't become unemployed after March 15th. And th- the government now has granted them access to the SERB program. So, okay. I mean, there is a bit of a changing picture there, but there is still about, you know, 700,000 unemployed Canadians that don't have access either to EI or to CERB for those reasons.
3: Do you think that the, the, like, do you think that they plan on, on, um, evolving CERB as we I mean because even today they released that they they lifted the um what was it it was like it, it, zero dollar minimum to a thousand dollars you can make a yeah, thousand yeah, like,
0: and yeah. still qualify
3: do you think we will we will likely see a little bit more of an evolution as time goes forward with with CERB
0: I think so I
1: think yeah that's certainly what's happened over the last week I mean when you start a program in a a week and a half, you try to get most people, and then you you work out the details, and that's what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to the wage subsidy, uh, the original wage subsidy was ten percent, which wasn't nearly enough, and now it's up to seventy five percent, which mm-hmm. which is very much on par with other countries and what other countries are doing. I mean, in terms of improvements, there, I think that uh, one of the things we need to become pretty careful of is that. This may well be used as a tool just to reduce workers' wages from 100% to whatever they're making to whatever the government will pay, which is 75%. Uh, and so I, I'm not going to be surprised if employers say to, to workers, hey, you know what? Here's your choice. We can lay you off or you can receive 75% of your previous pay and we'll keep you on your call. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then workers get to decide that they want to take a 25% pay cut or they want to get served, which may be far less. Mm-hmm. Um, and then good luck getting that 25% back Six months from now, mm-hmm. when you say, "Hey, you know, you cut my pay by twenty-five percent," I'd like the increase. The word, you know the employer says, "Uh, you know, times are mm-hmm. tough. Sorry, we're gonna have to keep it at a lower value." And so there's no. I mean, the government would like employers to top it up if people are still working, but they're not required to. Oh really? Uh, and it, in other so places, like
0: so, that's not considered uh, abusing the system by the employer if no. they choose not to pay the additional
1: twenty-five percent. No, that's not. Um, so if you take a look at the Irish version of this. There is a requirement that, you know, if you're going to hack back a worker's pay, you've got to show that you've got there's no cash in the bank, like there's no way you could make payroll otherwise. And so therefore, you know, maybe there's a case for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the Canadian situation, there is there is no actual hard and fast restriction on that. Some other restrictions are that that companies could uh, keep paying uh, shareholders. They could keep paying out dividends, they keep buying back their shares to return money to shareholders while they're getting this government bailout, in essence, where the government's paying 75 percent of their payroll. There's no restriction there, um, and the other big thing I think is even after the fact, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of CEOs. I'll look at the CEO data again next year, and it'll turn out all these CEOs got massive bonuses because uh, you know their stock price went up because the government bailed them out. Um, but it, there isn't any transparency requirements that presently say, look, if you're a company over you know whatever 500 million in profits or revenue, you have to disclose that you receive this mm. government this government uh, subsidy for your payroll. Uh, Then we could go back and say, hey, look at this company, you know, they took this money at the same time they're paying out big big bucks to their execs and big bucks to their shareholders. But none of that has been included.
4: I was reading an article this morning um, on, you know, companies that got, uh, companies in the U.S. that got big bailouts after 2008 and uh, looking at the amount of, uh, the amount of buybacks uh, that have happened over the last uh, decade. Um, you know, instead of instead of putting that into a rainy day fund or in, uh, whatever whatever happens, they you know they 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 do share buybacks. Um, they raise their uh, they raise their stock price. The, the 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 CEOs get their get their bonuses and and uh, or the executives get their bonuses and they walk away happy. And now we're back in the situation uh, with companies needing needing bailouts and just how how. How backwards it seems in hindsight that all that stuff has gone down the way that it has.
1: No, I um, actually think that, like, I actually think that most big employers aren't going to do that. Um, but I think that there are definite, because the rules aren't clear, I mean, unless you say, look, this is illegal, don't do this, mm-hmm. uh, in which case I think, you know, companies are going to comply, but you got to be, you got to be clear on this stuff. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in most cases, it's not going to happen, but unless you're clear, I mean, we'll, we'll be back here a year and a half from now when we get all yeah. the executive pay data and all the, you know, all the data from CERB and, for, you know, we're going to definitely find companies that abuse the hell out of it.
4: I'm, um, I'm interested in, um, so my my particular outlook on um on markets in the economy right now and obviously obviously the day-to-day market is not is not indicative of the actual health of, of the economy in a lot of cases um and um and i look at it as as you see how the markets react from a headline news perspective and then um uh once uh once you get the fundamentals, when earnings start being reported, um, then you start to see. Then you see start to see the the market react based on fundamentals versus the headlines. Um, mm-hmm. Is this something that in when Q two comes around and the earnings start getting reported in Q two that we are seeing? We're seeing like the real ramifications, the economic ramifications that this has had on uh, on Canadian and U.S. businesses and things. Um, things take another dive down that's been my that's 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 uh, my opinion i'm just wondering i'm just wanted to bounce that off you and see what you think about that
1: yeah i mean i think that uh, like the the q1 earnings now are coming out um nowish uh you know past you know in, in, at the end of april we'll get a lot of q1 at that point i think you'll see you'll see a fair amount of estimates as to how much earnings are going to change and so the bad news i suspect is going to be dumped now they're not going to wait till uh, July to say, hey, you know, our company's not making any money. They're going to mm-hmm. say it now, take the hit now um, in the hopes that things get better. Um, I mean, the, the, the fact of the matter is that we don't know what's going to happen three months from now. And so it's extremely difficult to predict, you know, you, finance comes out and says this program is going to cost five billion or 50 billion or whatever. Look, in reality, people are throwing darts at a dartboard on the wall. I mean, we don't know how much this stuff's going to cost. We don't know how long it's going to last. I mean, this first wave seems to be under control in terms of, well, it seems to be reducing in terms of deaths in Canada and so on. But all we need to do is lift that restriction. People go out, they mingle again. And all of a sudden you're in wave two or wave three or wave four. And you just have no idea how long we need to take all these frontline workers uh, and in essence, you know, keep them on the government payrolls, post on private industry payrolls. That often is much less than they would have been paid if they were if they were working. I mean, you know, we talk about sickness. Uh, you know, and initially the the concern was for people who are actually sick with COVID nineteen, but the biggest impact is actually on primarily low wage workers who who are forced off the job. They want to work. Employers want to employ them, but they're forced off the job to keep everybody else healthy. Um, mm-hmm. Without them. Uh, not, you know, we need them off the job. That's just, that's just the way it is. And so we owe them some sort of support and, a, you know, reasonably generous support. I mean, I ran the numbers in terms of how many jobs were lost in different hour, like hourly wage categories. A third of all jobs paying under $14 an hour were eliminated in March. Uh, you know, 30% of all jobs paying $14 to $16 an hour were eliminated in March. Um, or the hours were cut by by half or more. So I mean, this is just a huge impact on low wage workers and they're the ones taking the hit for the rest of us.
3: Mm-hmm. If, in terms of you know you were just mentioning like the we don't know what's going to happen and and maybe maybe there there comes a second wave of this. Um, if that is the case, it, you know obviously uh, the country is not a bottomless pit of money. Um, what what is the what are the chances or the odds that that if we do hit a second wave that something like the uh, emergency response benefit can continue forward um, like is is there you know they, they've laid out like four months right for 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 people to apply um, is is it is there a possibility that that could be extended for for more uh, for people to apply more than just the initial four months or or did they pretty much like lay out this is our this is our limit and let's just
1: hope we get through this no but i mean yeah yeah they did lay out the 16 week time frame um if we were you know if we were at 15% 15% unemployment at that point, I don't think there'd be any doubt you'd want to extend that until we, um, you know, I mean, you, you need some way that Canadians can feed themselves and pay rent. I mean, it, mm-hmm. you, you can't avoid that. I mean, yeah, you could cut all these people off, but the economic impact would be far worse as they just totally default on rent. Uh, they, they flood soup kitchens and I mean, you know, the, the, it's pretty predictable what's going to happen if the if folks don't have even a basic amount of money. Not that I'm saying $2,000 is the is the king's ransom. It isn't, but I mean, it, yeah. it's it's a mm-hmm. it's at least some foundation to start to pay for food and rent. Um, you know, in terms of the other thing that's happening is it's not purely bondholders that are buying these bonds. Actually, the Bank of Canada um, is also buying uh, a larger portion of these bonds, and it generally would. Um, and so it has the ability to print money and buy more bonds. Um, right. when you're in a big recession, I mean, there's no, I mean, inflation isn't going anywhere and nobody's, nobody's working. Nobody has extra money. Right. People are barely making ends meet. So I mean, the traditional risks of potentially boosting inflation just aren't there. And so there's no real prospect that the federal, the federal government or even provincial governments are going to run out of money in the next six months or something like that. The bank of Canada mm-hmm. has their back. There's no point betting against the bank of Canada it can create as much money as it wants.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Cool. Uh, Brian, did you have you had one more thing you wanted to hit on there before we wrap this up?
0: Yeah, I was uh, I'm just curious. I know this is re- like we've mentioned already that this is an unprecedented time for the economy um, and the world in general. Um, in terms of bouncing back, the economy bouncing back, like it is are we guessing that it's going to be similar to a de- uh, a mega recession slash depression? or, you know, do we have the confidence that, it will bounce back faster because you know the virus we, we find a vaccine for the virus or, or otherwise.
1: I think it's very dependent on what actually happens with with uh, our ability to either find a vaccine or effectively treat COVID-19 with something else. Um, if we don't and we just what will likely happen is we'll continue to see resurgences until we've got some sort of herd immunity of you know 20 or 30 percent get the Get the virus, and you know a lot of people are probably going to die if that happens. Unfortunately, um, but you know as we see this, uh, if if we were to if we were to get a vaccine or an effective treatment pretty quickly, then sure. I mean you could see it. You could see a situation where people were comfortable going back, you know, getting inoculated, and they go back to restaurants and bars, and they go to the uh, you know they go to the mall and they shop and they uh, you know go to go to Canadian Tire. But I mean even if you were to say open reopen some of these places, and we don't have a vaccine. I mean, I don't think a lot of people are, are willing to go do that like, they, like yeah. they did, you know, in February, even if mm-hmm. they're technically open and a lot of businesses could technically be open. But again, the problem isn't that part of the problem is certainly they were forced closed by law. But part of the problem was that even when they were open, there's nobody coming in the door. So you might as well shut down anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it, yeah. it's very much dependent on this, you know, what can we treat COVID-19 if we can't and we're waiting a year or two with you know Ottawa gets bad and then Toronto gets bad and Vancouver gets bad i just think people are going to stay away from all these businesses and that's i mean that's the kind of that's the kind of longer term recession i mean that's not a v recovery where you know things go down and they pop back up that's mm. the kind of thing where all these people got unemployed in retail food hospitality arts culture sports and they they just don't go back yeah yeah mm-hmm. and then there'll just be sustained downward pressure on everything yeah. for a yeah. while yeah.
4: um mm-hmm. there the, the last question that i had here and um, is uh, something that's been a something that's been a big uh, topic of conversation, especially over the last couple of years, is the concept um, in both the United States and Canada and countries all over the world is the idea of universal basic income. Um, does does this does this in some way serve as a as some sort of weird, unexpected trial run for something mm-hmm. for a program like that?
1: Well, I mean, the CERB is approaching something like that. It's certainly, you know, you think of a spectrum on one side of social assistance, which is incredibly invasive and, you know, they check your bank account and make sure you didn't spend too much on this and you spent too much on that. And, you know, you have to liquidate all your assets. I mean, it's very intrusive. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you find something like the GST credit, um, which everyone gets if they file their taxes and there's no real requirement except that, you know, your income is in a certain area and you get X amount and it's a pretty set amount. And then there's a middle ground between those two. Now, um, the emergency top-ups that are going out to all GST recipients as well as to all people with children under 18 are kind of in a form of emergency universal income in the sense that they just go out to everybody. Your bank account just, boom, you just wake up one day and it's $300 or $1,000 more than it was yesterday. You didn't do anything. It just goes up. Um, That's very, very much along the lines of a basic income, but it's not sustained. So it's just a one-time shot. The GST folks is going to come out. This month, and the Canada Child Benefit is going to come out next month. People with children under 18. The CERB, it seems to me, is is in between, you know, the social assistance in the old DI system that was riddled with rules and very difficult to get, and the GST credit where you just get it automatically based on income.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, with a quarter of all, a quarter of all working age adults receiving it now, we're basically setting a floor of two thousand dollars a month, roughly. Um, you know, if you were an employer and you were looking to hire people, you probably want to pay at least $2,000 a month. Otherwise, it, why would people go work for you? Uh, and therefore, you're setting up, in essence, a, a basic income, at least for working age folks. Um, for seniors, we we have a basic income. It's called the Guaranteed Income Supplement and Old Age Security. And it, depending on which province you're in, it would give you a basic amount of between sixteen dollars and $20,000 a year per person. Um, we have a roughly a basic income for for families with children under 18 through the Canada Child Benefit, which which can amount to, uh, you know, depends on how many kids you have, but it can easily amount to $12,000 or $18,000. It's really for working aged adults who aren't 65 and don't have children where we basically have no support. I mean, we have the GSD credit, but it's very small Um, and the CERB is it's moving towards that. You know, we talked about some of the shortfalls of the the emergency benefit, but it, it is it's in the middle. I mean, it, you know, as we as we make it easier to access, we move it more towards the basic income side. You know, if we had to start clamping down and putting more rules, we maybe move it back to the old EI side of where where it used to be. Cool. Um, well, this has been a real eye-opening conversation,
3: um, and I wanna I wanna thank you, David, for taking the time to sit down and chat with us um, and making things a little more clear than, than they were before we came into this. So, uh, so on behalf of myself and all of our listeners, um, thank you. Thank you very much for, for hanging out with us today.
1: Sure thing. Thanks for having me guys.
3: Well, there you have it. Uh, David McDonald, uh, laying, laying, down the, laying down the knowledge on, on money, and uh on e- economics uh he- <laughs> how hearing-
4: all that shit works because yeah. i'm sure i'm sure a lot of people thought to themselves at some point uh whether you're in canada or the u.s or anywhere else where their government is doing something they're going how does that work how the fuck did they do yeah. that i mean that was very
3: canadian specific i know we have a lot of u.s listeners down there and i'm, I'm yeah. sorry for that but uh because um, your situation's quite different i think but
4: but it's but it but it, but it would probably be, but the way that they pull things together would be probably pretty similar. Yeah, yeah. So in terms of how things get paid for and all that shit. Yeah. And
0: if it was, if it is drastically different, uh, send us a message and let us know what's going on there, so we can uh, inform and educate the uh, beautiful people of this world.
3: Yeah. Thank you for that, Brian. You can go to yeah. uh, you can email us um, uh, by going at to Jeremy our, at sickboypodcast.com because he loves knowing about economics. No, so just no, send no, it to no. Jer. <laughs> no, don't. Do not email that fucking email address do not don't go to sickboypodcast.com hit the contact us button and email us that way uh you can also reach us on twitter at sickboypodcast uh you can check us out on instagram at sickboypodcast uh and if you want to support us uh which again we, we spoke to that uh, earlier go to uh, patreon.com sickboy thanks to all of our patrons we love you so much uh that is it for this week i'm brian i'm taylor
2: I'm Lauren.
3: And I'm Jeremy, and this is Sick Boy.